Once again, good morning and welcome to St. Paul's. Let's pray together. Lord, let us hear and let us understand and let our hearts be open to what your spirit has for us this morning. Amen. Well, today is a big day in our preaching series. If you've been following along in the E100 readings, 100 of the essential passages of scripture, you'll know that today marks the beginning of the last week in the Old Testament. After this week, we are halfway through our E100 readings, and next week, Tyler will bring us into the New Testament. So just a quick recap and an overview of where we are before we move on. God made a covenant with Abraham, the father of faith. Abraham's descendants, the children of Israel, were then enslaved in Egypt for hundreds of years before being led to freedom by Moses. After Moses, there came judges to lead Israel. But the Israelites weren't satisfied with the judges because they wanted to be like every other nation. And so they asked for kings instead. And they were given kings. But this was the beginning of the end of the nation of Israel. As the kings grew progressively worse, and eventually, they were once again taken into exile and captivity. Last week, Bishop Jenny preached to us from the Psalms, the songbook of the Israelites, both through the time of the kings and also through the exile. And that brings us to this final week, the week in which we hear from the prophets. It's amazing that we only have one week in the prophets because there is so much here. And if you're reading along this week, you'll come across some famous stories, like Daniel in the lion's den, and Jonah swallowed by the fish. But there's a lot more to the prophets than just these famous stories. We tend to think of prophecy as future telling, and it can be that, but in reality, it's more like, uh, like truth telling. The word prophet comes from a Greek word meaning spokesperson, and the prophets were God's spokespeople to the people. They were people raised up by God during the time of the kings and the exile to speak on behalf of God, to remind Israelites of the faithfulness of God, and to call them back to their own faithfulness and to repent of their unfaithfulness. Sometimes this included specific predictions of the future, yes, both immediate and distant, but often it was just calling their attention to what was, how they were being unfaithful, how God was being faithful. But there's another layer to prophecy. And it's something that we hear from Jesus himself in the Gospel of Luke as he's walking down the road with two of his disciples after his resurrection. Luke tells us that beginning with Moses and the prophets, Jesus explains to his disciples what was said in all of scripture concerning himself. In other words, the prophecies are about Jesus. Everything we've heard up until this point has been telling the story of and preparing the way for the Messiah, and all of it points to him. And none more so than the amazing poem that we have before us this morning. 
even if you are new to the Bible, chances are you may have heard this passage or some of it before, and especially if you've listened to Handel's Messiah. He was despised and afflicted, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and acquainted with grief. These words are so familiar because Handel used Isaiah's language to write his magnificent oratorio. But who is this suffering servant that is acquainted with grief that Isaiah writes about? To the Jews reading this passage, it wasn't immediately clear. They thought perhaps it could be one person, one particular person, maybe the long-awaited Messiah suffering on behalf of the Jewish nation. But a more popular understanding was that it was maybe the Jewish nation themselves suffering on behalf of the whole world. Jewish scholars have been divided, and different traditions say different things. But from earliest New Testament times, it was clear to New Testament authors and to the early church that there was one person whom this passage fit more than anyone else. One person who became the suffering servant on behalf of the world. And that, of course, was Jesus. Listen to how Isaiah describes him. The passage speaks of someone who was considered of no account. And we remember Jesus being sneered at. Can anything good come from Nazareth? The passage speaks of someone who was rejected. And we remember Jesus being rejected as a prophet in his hometown. And we remember cries of, crucify him. The passage speaks of someone who was silent. And we remember the silence of Jesus before Pilate at his trial. Someone who was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And we remember Jesus held up as the Passover lamb. Someone who experienced injustice. And we remember his pseudo-trial and the perversion of justice. Who had iniquity laid on him. And we remember the cross laid on Jesus' back as he carried it to his place of execution. Whose grave was made with the wicked. And we remember him dying a criminal's death, surrounded on both sides by criminals. Whose tomb was with the rich. And we remember that Joseph of Arimathea, a rich man, gave Jesus his own tomb and laid him in it. And finally, but far from least, someone who took on the sins of the whole world and through his sacrifice brought healing and wholeness to all. Hundreds of years before Jesus was born, this was written. Hundreds of years. And it has been ringing ever since. But this is more than just a prophetic description of what Jesus would go through. Like all good poetry, this passage gives us the heart and the emotion of the crucifixion. It gives us the feeling behind the facts that we will hear in a few weeks at Good Friday. And more than that, Isaiah brings us face to face with a God who suffers with us. 
and a God who suffers for us. Isaiah shows us the reality of a God who took on flesh, who dared to enter the pain and sorrow of life in a world torn apart by sin, and to take it on himself. A God who always moves towards the hurting and the suffering to bring healing rather than away. And what this mean for, means for us is that this is not a God who is far off, watching and shaking his head at humanity as we mess things up continually. This is a God who is present in our sorrows, who is not afraid of them, but meets us in them with his healing and his comfort and his grace. This is a God who is present in Ukraine and in Russia and in Afghanistan and here. A God who is present with the mothers who fled from that maternity hospital this week, who is present with the people trying to cross the border and hiding in subway stations, who is present with the people who have been separated from their families, who is present with the Russian people suffering under Putin's choices, who is present with Afghani people and the South Sudanese and the Venezuelans and all who have had to flee from their homes and all who experience suffering of any kind, including every person in this room and watching online. This is Emmanuel, God with us, in our grief, in our suffering, bringing healing and hope. There's another thing to take from this passage this morning, and that's a reminder. It is easy to see evil in the world and to think, I'm not as bad as that, and maybe to feel a bit better about ourselves. And it's especially easy when we have such an example as what's going on in Russia and Ukraine. But it wasn't just the massive, heart-wrenching, evil pains that God took on himself. It was all of it. It was all the little and the big ways that throughout time and space that we have failed to love each other, to love ourselves, to love God. All of the ways that we have broken covenant with God over the centuries since Abraham, all of them were taken on by Jesus and all of them atoned for. None of us has ever been able to live up to that covenant perfectly. All of us have turned to our own ways, as the prophet says. And all of us have been given the gift of a new covenant. One in which the suffering servant has done all the work for us. Has kept the faith for us. And we have only to receive it. Brothers and sisters, friends, Beloved, pray for the grace to receive it. Pray for each other, because we all need grace. Pray for the suffering in Ukraine and Russia and around the world. Pray for the children. Pray for the leaders. Pray for Putin. Pray for grace. And pray for the day to come when kings will shut their mouths 
as Isaiah writes in our passage today. When every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, as the Apostle Paul writes. And when every tongue will confess that the suffering servant, Jesus Christ himself, is Lord. And there will be no more tears, for sorrow and sighing will flee away. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus.